using any tape measure, it was a long journey, nearly 2,000 miles. As they traversed mid-America in a moving truck and car, this young couple and their nine-year-old were having some mixed emotions. Their hearts and their minds were flooded with excitement and with a, quite a bit of fear. God had orchestrated this move, but more than a few people also warned them they were going to be part of the country where people were cold and churches are hard to build. Oh, and by the way, the weather's cold too. It was much like an arranged marriage. It, at first, it seemed fairly impersonal, a mandate requiring an act of obedience rather than a choice born out of human passion and desire. Several months earlier, the husband was feeling like God was preparing him for a new step in ministry and had offered to go anywhere God wanted him to go. You ever prayed a prayer like that? God, I'll go wherever you send me. I'm sorry, where's that? <laughs> but then a series of God connections made it very clear that God was assigning his family to be a part of the country none of them had ever visited. They were from the West Coast. They were going to go to the East Coast. The West Coast says they're the best coast, but the East Coast says they are too. Who's to know? And then as if to underline this dramatic change they're about to go through, on the Sunday they preached at this small church in need of a pastor on the East Coast, far from the West Coast. They had one of those legendary winter storms. It snowed six inches. They'd never seen snow six inches before. So the brand new possible pastor-to-be helped to shovel out the six inches of snow before he could even preach in this brand new church there in New England in need of a pastor. A few weeks later, they made a second trip to scope out the area before they agreed that this would be their new home. And guess what? Another snowstorm. On that trip, they also awoke to some pretty bad news that housing is limited and what housing is available is expensive. The next few years, it would require a lot of adjustments. They've transitioning from urban to rural, from south to north, from west to east. They felt like they were moving to a foreign country. What language do they speak in New England? It was different than anything they would have chosen, but God in his mercy began to show them with a series of incredible, which would be hard to believe, promises. God promised victories. God promised an unprecedented harvest. Conversely, the enemy did all he could to discourage this new pastor and his family. Some of the early spiritual battles caused them to question everything God was saying, as well as whether they could even make it in this area. And then it happened. Something began to change little by little on the inside. Several years after they moved, the family had the opportunity to visit the place where they had left on the West Coast. And they realized they had fallen in love with their new home up on the East Coast. In fact, they preferred it. They preferred the winding roads and the rock walls and the four seasons instead of the big ranches and the sprawling housing developments and the hot, hot, hot weather. Somewhere along the way, their place of ministry changed from being an assigned place to being home. Their field had changed from being in personal assigned location, just somewhere God told them they had to go, to this is our home. This is our personal mission field. Because the mission had moved just from their heads all the way to their hearts. That change made the difference. The heart connection is so much deeper than the head connection. It can be the powerful glue that marries somebody to a person, a place, a thing. And knowing this, God makes it his goal to anchor every believer to him, not only deep in the head, but more so in the heart. And we're going to hear much more about that right after this. Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. 
This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. Good day to you, God's Word for Life listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry, and you're listening to the God's Word for Life Companion podcast. This is a very special episode. This episode is based on Pentecost Sunday, which we celebrated yesterday, celebrated by experiencing, not just remembering, but experiencing the power of God that they experienced on the day of Pentecost from Acts chapter 2. And this episode is called Handwriting on the Heart, and it focuses on the verse in Jeremiah, out of Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 33, when God promised Jeremiah, this shall be the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts, and I will write it in their hearts, and will be their God, and they shall be my people. God made a promise that he would put his law, even his spirit, as we read in Ezekiel, in our hearts. Now, when we remember what God has done for us and we worship him, it can change the way we think. It can change our state of mind. Most importantly, It can change the atmosphere of our hearts. God knows our frame. He knows our frame very well. He created us. And he wants to help us to remember the things he has done for us so we won't forget them. So he instituted seven annual religious feasts. And the Feast of Pentecost was one of those holy days, one of those feasts God ordained to help them celebrate two things, the harvest and the giving of Mosaic law. Pentecost was designed to cause people to pause and remember and recognize God's provision. It was an exercise in being thankful, much like our saying grace before we dive into dinner or by beginning every day with prayer and with praise and thanking God for the day. It was a time to choose to be thankful, to appreciate the goodness and the blessings of God, even if we didn't exactly feel like it. Pentecost emphasized that God's law he gave to Moses was a great gift from God to his people. God's laws were intended to help humanity live by pleasing God through our moralities, through our values. History testifies to this fact. Nations which are built upon biblical principles have been blessed, but when nations abandon those biblical principles, civility and peace steeply decline. True believers don't seek to outmaneuver God's word. We eagerly embrace it as guiding principles for our lives and for our nation. And just as the Jews celebrated God's provision and laws, present-day believers, we celebrate them each week when we gather together for meetings, for services, in homes, in churches, in small groups. We set aside time to praise, to pray, to worship as a corporate body of believers, and we show our gratitude to the God who has blessed us, provided for us, saved us. We celebrate by honoring God by returning our tithe to Him, the first 10% of our increase and our offerings signifying we understand the true source of all of our blessings is God, not just a benevolent boss or banker or sweepstakes, but God is the one who gives us all we need. Let me ask you a question. Do you see attending church or small group as an opportunity to celebrate God's provisions and his laws? And why do you? Or why don't you? Although God's laws he gave to Moses were good and right, It was very evident that humanity was incapable of keeping them just through willpower or religious tradition. We couldn't just will ourselves to do better, be better. 
the pull of the flesh, the pull of the world, seem to eventually overwhelm even the most noble, even the most devout believers. It doesn't take long to read the Old Testament, and we, we see that people who followed God in the beginning with great intentions many times were sidetracked by their flesh or by temptation. Even believers who complied with the many requirements that were set forth in the law of God seemed to fall far, far short of that high and holy standard. The law successfully underscored, we are depraved. But God had a better idea. Even before creation, God had a plan to conquer sin and give humanity the power we need to be true children of God. Through the prophet Jeremiah, the Lord revealed his plans to establish this new covenant. In Jeremiah chapter 31, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant they broke. Though I was a husband to them, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no more shall every man teach his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least to the greatest, says the Lord. And I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34. What a powerful promise. And for all of us who have experienced the gift of God's Holy Spirit, we can testify that that covenant of the Word of God And the love of God, the law of God in our hearts is a great, great gift. Now, what does it mean to have God's law written on our hearts? What changes whenever these godly, holy principles take root deep in our hearts? We know the law will be written in our minds. Jeremiah 31, verse 33, promise such. This verse points to a divine illumination that comes when we read and understand God's word. It foreshadows concepts like Paul would later explain, such as renewing our mind, according to Romans 12, verse 2. Instead of being in a relationship with a movement or a denomination or just a set of doctrines, God wants relationship with us. He doesn't just want us to be in a relationship with religion. He wants us to be in a relationship with Him. God wants to penetrate our minds, our thoughts. He wants to give us new mindsets. He wants us to think on Him and even think like him. This phrase, write it on their heart, speaks of something experiential. The difference between just head knowledge and heart experience can be illustrated by considering the difference between reading about a hamburger and all of its ingredients and biting into a beautiful, medium-cooked, quarter-pound grilled beef complemented by all the sauces and all the veggies God has provided. I could tell you all about a hamburger, or I could buy you one, and you could experience it for yourself. Well, this new covenant allows humanity to experience God. We don't just read about him in the book of Psalms and read about how awesome he is in creation, or read about him in the book of Exodus and see how he could part seas and plague Egypt. We we can experience him. As the psalmist said in the 34th Psalm, we can taste and see the Lord is good. This kind of relationship can only be developed through a series of intimate encounters and experiences with God, which is why it's so important for churches to provide opportunities for people to worship God passionately, to respond emotionally to the preached Word of God, to move as the move of the Spirit comes along and moves us. 
as God works in sovereign ways in the lives of his people, we have the opportunity to experience that. It was God's idea to make this new covenant with individuals. It allows God to live inside of us and gives us the ability to live as the Bible teaches we should live. God wants to make his people more than conquerors, Romans 8, verse 37, for which we as his people should be extremely thankful. But this power doesn't come automatically. We take action when we seek the Lord with all our hearts and receive what he has for us. And God chose the day of Pentecost, following Jesus' ascension as this chosen time to fulfill his promise to come and dwell within his people. It was a fulfillment of so many prophecies, including the one from Jeremiah we just recently read. The second chapter of Acts records this incredible, amazing spiritual breakthrough that altered the course of humanity and launched the church on its mission to take the gospel to the whole world. On the day of Pentecost, Jesus fulfilled the promise to come to live in the hearts of believers. We read it about it in Acts 2, verses 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They spoke with tongues. Now what in the world is that? They spoke in a language they had not yet learned, but were empowered to speak by a sovereign move of God. For people to speak in tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance or the ability, we need God's power. This is not something we can learn how to do or take a class or have a coach. Only God can write His law on our hearts. To receive His Spirit, we must surrender our minds, our emotions, our bodies, specifically our mouth, our tongue to God, and allow Him to speak through us. Speaking in tongues supernaturally demonstrates how God can bypass the mind, go right to the heart. Speaking in tongues is worshiping God beyond the limit of language. We don't have to come up with all the right words and phrases to worship. God takes care of that himself. Spirit-filled believers often find there are days when the only way we find strength and courage to continue is turning to God in prayer. And when we pray, sometimes we pray in the Spirit. We speak with tongues as we pray. It's a gift from God when we don't have the words or know the words or we just can't say the words. God will pray and intercede through us, for us. The Bible teaches about speaking in tongues and praying in the Spirit as edifying or charging yourself, much like you charge your phone during the day or at night to make sure it has enough battery. We charge ourselves by praying in the Spirit. Now, how does this praying in tongues encourage you and edify you? I know it encourages me and edifies me as I feel again the presence and the Spirit of God working and moving through me. This new and better covenant was sealed on the day of Pentecost. It's based on the finished work of Calvary. We're still expected to hold up our end of our relationship with God, but under this new covenant, God provides believers with everything we need to succeed, and believers provide the will. God provides the way. Certainly this new covenant is so much better than living under the old covenant. It's much like this One gentleman who experienced a total change in his job, even though he didn't change jobs. The only difference between that year and the previous one was he had a new and better contract, which gave him more money, better working conditions, better benefits. Everything was better. 
And so was his attitude. He, he still had to show up. He still had to work hard. But his quality of life had just taken a great leap forward. When believers live in covenant with God and allow him to fill us with his spirit, our quality of life improves exponentially. It doesn't mean we get better pay at our job or we get better benefits for health insurance, but it does mean we have the benefits of joy, peace, faith, far outweighing the life of sin we've left behind. The fruit of the Spirit alone, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, faith, all of that, what a gift God gives when he gives us his Holy Spirit. When God poured out his Spirit on the disciples in the upper room in Acts chapter 2, those who witnessed this amazing event began to ask questions as to how they could be a part. Acts 2 verse 37, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promise is unto you, and to your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. This same message Peter preached to them applies to us. God gives this invitation to everyone who will humble themselves and obey his word. He will provide the resources and the power we need to live an abundant life here and eternal life there. But because sin has ravaged people for millennia, many people are hesitant to open their hearts. Sin has abused humanity to the point many have trouble trusting even God. But those who do open their hearts wide to God will not be disappointed. Think about somebody in your life or maybe your church family or visiting your church family, how would you encourage somebody who is seeking to receive the Holy Spirit but has not yet received it by the initial evidence of speaking tongues? How would you encourage them and edify them as they continue seeking after God? Well, while you ponder that query, let's wrap this up. I want to tell you about a little pup named Champ. Champ was not supposed to live. Somebody poured acid on his body, caused severe burns, triggered severe and serious infections. It was a tragic case of abuse. But Champ lived and his optimism seemed to live as well. Then in 2007, a New Jersey couple rescued this little floppy-eared beagle who escaped his tormentor and wandered into traffic. The concerned citizen called the police because they were concerned that this little guy was going to die on the highway. And the animal control officer who responded said Champ had been abused more severely than any other animal he had ever seen in his four decades of service. The Martin family were a Christian family, and they committed to rescuing animals. So they rescued Champ, and they nursed him back to health, and they trained him to serve as a therapy dog. But this journey was hard. One article put it like this, quote, Before Champ's skin could heal, however, the Martins had to restore his confidence. Champ was so afraid that he would not emerge from a small cage in the Martin's home, end quote. You can find that story at NorthJersey.com called The Tale of Champ. If you've ever had a dog who has been abused, you know how they can cower and hide and how they can be hesitant to get anywhere near other people. Well, just as abused dogs are hesitant to be helped, sometimes people are the same way. They've been abused by somebody in life and they become hesitant to become vulnerable with other people or even with God. And maybe you are that person. Maybe you've been beaten up by life. It might be hard to imagine a life of actually being loved and being empowered, but that is the life God offers. 
The path to a relationship with God starts with many prayer experiences, many altar experiences. And it even means becoming vulnerable and open and honest with God whenever God is dealing with you or God's word is being preached. It might be a challenge to let God take you from a head-based faith just about reading about who he is to a heart-based faith, experiencing who he is. But if you are willing to open wide your heart, God is willing to open wide heaven, and the benefits will be amazing, and the results, they'll be eternal. I would like to pray, if you've never received the gift of God's Holy Spirit, I want to pray right now that God would fill you with his Holy Spirit, that God would give you this wonderful, priceless, precious gift of the Holy Spirit right where you are in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful promise and this wonderful privilege to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Thank you for filling Ashley, our friend with your spirit this week, and Emily last week. I thank you, God, for all you're doing. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. For all those who have never been filled with the Holy Ghost and those who may be hesitant or may be scared or may be nervous about becoming open and honest with you, God, I pray you would give them confidence today that you love them, you know them, you care for them, you died for them. I pray, Lord Jesus, you'd fill every empty and hungry heart with the gift of your Spirit. Thank you for those who are listening to this. May they draw closer to you. May they know you more. And God, may they be full of the precious Holy Spirit of God. Bring healing to the hurting and fill those who are empty and hungry. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much, God's Word for Life listeners. Be sure to click subscribe and share. You won't miss an episode and none of your friends have to miss an episode either. Also, head on over to PentecostalPublishing.com. You'll pick up some wonderful resources, Bibles, Bible studies, devotionals, music, great resources to help you in your relationship with God and help you help disciple others in their relationship with God. Next week, we begin a brand new series in this summer. The series is called Loving the Unloved. This is a great series as it highlights people Jesus loved that many people in the world just didn't. And our first episode will be all about the children. Jesus loved the children. It's called Looking for the Overlooked. And I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week. And always look forward to learning and living out God's Word for life. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, visit us today at PentecostalPublishing.com.